Thanks for downloading this episode from Teachers Talk Radio. You can find the full schedule and listen back to all our shows at ttradio.org. Enjoy the podcast. It's time for a fresh start to language learning. Pearson Edexcel's new student-centred French, German and Spanish 2024 GCSEs cater to the needs of all learners, regardless of their background, ability or reason for studying. Rooted in learned language knowledge, their assessments are transparent and accessible, allowing all students to showcase their language skills. Through inclusive and relatable content, the new Pearson Edexcel MFL GCSEs build a shared cultural capital that helps students develop an understanding of and appreciation for the wider world. Find out more at go.pearson.com forward slash MFL GCSE 24. Good morning and welcome to the weekly review here on Teachers Talk Radio. Uh, today we're joined by Shaniqua, John and Leanne and uh, a little bit further on in the show we're going to be joined by Loic Menzies to talk about a new report from the IPPR. Now it is the middle of the summer holidays but the school news keeps on coming and our first story of the week we're going to be talking about persistent absence. Um, Now, a Schoolsweek article uh, from government data shows an alarming absence rates are not improving uh, post-COVID. We've got uh, reports here of one in five pupils persistently absent. Uh, This is all with a backdrop of the government setting up attendance hubs, attendance advisors, Gillian Keegan saying being in school is quite simply the most important thing for children's education. Well, things aren't working by the look of the data. Shaniqua, we're going to come to you first. Are you worried about uh, attendance rates in schools at the moment? I am, but I, I feel like this has been a long time coming. This has been going on for a little while now. I think there's actually like so many societal reasons for this. I think there's like poor support for children with mental health issues. I think there's been poor support for SEN children. You know, we've got CAMs with a long list um, you know, we've got children with caring responsibilities. Long COVID has been quite—it's been quite a big thing, actually. Um, you know, I also wonder how many of those children with persistent absences, absences are like young carers. Um, you know, what percentage is SEN where provisions can't be met due to education cuts? Um, I'm a governor in a school, and actually, I know that they've been really trying with attendance, really been trying to push attendance. But you have a lot of um, families who go back to the country that they're from for healthcare because they just they're on a waiting list for so long here so there's so many different reasons why there is a gap or there's um persistent absences it is quite worrying but I can see so many schools are trying their best they're doing everything that they can with the resources they can at the moment yeah and I want to go to John next um you know we we We've heard often in the past about this, you know, returning to normal, you know, getting back to pre-COVID times. You know, is this just a part of the new normal in education? Has something got to change or is absence always going to be up now, do you think? Well, I see what you're referring to there. The kind of idea that the new normal is a bit like working from home. You know, we discovered how nice it was to work from home so late. (laughs) So kids have logically thought the same thing, maybe something in that they're seeing more parents at home and so on. All of those things 
that Shanique just identified. I think you're right. The, the bigger picture uh, of from mental health to societal pressures and so on are part of what's going on right now. But the normal, return to normal, you hear a lot of that actually lately, let's return to normal, exams are normal this year again and so on. The new, the new normal, or rather the normal wasn't good. As a society, we're not good at dealing with kids, with people generally, who don't fit in. There's, the, there's that 30% of students or so who don't do well at school. And yet they are, that's, that's, that's just a casualties. They are collateral damage to our education system. And that, there's that group of students who don't like school. And there's a significant number. I mean, there's the ones who loved school and the ones who, you know, they managed, they got through, and the ones who don't like school. Too many students loathe school and don't blame the parents, don't blame the schools. There's something very fundamental wrong in the state of our society if that many kids don't like school. Um, and you can see there we've got some tweets coming in already, some messages. Um, at Charlotte Davies, every child that I see with a tendency issue has problems with poor development in motor skills, sound processing and visual processing. We simply do not check or support child development. Now, Leanne, as I come to you, it's, it's a really complicated thing. We talk about attendance as if it's simple, you know, just getting them through the door. But this can be a really complicated issue in, in improving attendance for schools. Yeah, I think a lot of it I find comes down to actually like teacher CPD and are we skilled enough? We're not psychologists. I know for myself and even my assistant, like the many hats that we put on throughout the day, we're not just teachers, we teach, we're therapists, we're occupational therapists throughout the day, we do fine and motor and motor throughout the day. So I kind of feel like following on from the tweet that we've just had. I do think teachers and school staff need more like almost like psychological CPD, you know, because times have changed, parenting has changed, whether it's for the better or for the worse with children, I don't know, but I think the many factors come down to maybe like a change in brain mindset. And I just feel like we don't have the strong enough skill sets to deal with that within a classroom, or do we have even the staffing to deal with that within a school? And that does uh, wonderfully lead us on to our next segment, Leanne. So thank you for the segue, where we are going to be talking slightly about the uh, what the differences in schools and the future of schooling. But before we do, I just want to give a shout out to a Pearson Ed Excel who help us here at Teachers Talk Radio. Pearson Ed Excel's new student-centered French, German, and Spanish 2024 GCSEs cater for the needs of all learners, regardless of their backgrounds, ability, or reason for studying. It's rooted in learn language, knowledge, and their assessments are transparent, accessible, allowing students uh, to showcase their language skills through an inclusive and relatable content. New uh, Pearson MFL GCSEs build a shared cultural capital that helps students develop an understanding and appreciation of the wider world. Now, if you want to find out more about that, you can check them out at go.pearson.com slash MFL. And it is time, as I say, for our next story. And welcome back. And as I said, we are joined now by uh, Loic Menzies um, uh, to talk about a new IPPR report that he co-authored, um, Balancing Act, Navigating the Tensions in Our School Systems. And this is from the Institute for Public Policy Research, along with the Centre for Education Youth. Um, Loic, welcome. Hi there, nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Uh, not a problem at all. Now, we're going to talk a little bit about this, but we, you've heard us uh, possibly talking in the first half there about some of the issues we're facing with attendance. Uh, and, and in this report, it does talk about change. But uh, 
you know, I think we should start off by asking that, is there and who has an appetite for change in our education system? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people do, don't they? And it's no surprise, given some of the things you were discussing a, a moment ago. But I guess when I think about this, I also think back a bit further and I think about some of the positives too. I think of back when I started teaching in 2006 and, and how things have changed there. And I think part of what we tried to do with this report was think, OK, well, where 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 are there some strengths? Where has the balance, you know, where have we done some things that have worked well? But how can we get the balance right? Because I think a lot of a lot of people have a sense that some things maybe have been have been achieved in the last de decade, two decades, in terms of building a much more evidence-informed profession, in terms of getting those uh, getting those expectations and standards higher. But, but in some ways, it feels like the balance might not be quite right. You know, we have so many teachers leaving the profession. We have so many of these issues that we've been discussing around attendance, around mental health, and so on. It, it feels like perhaps uh, the balance isn't right. So what we tried to do here was to try and do a, a really balanced and um, Look at these things to try and try and understand that because we're, we're hearing calls from some people to say we really need to uh, reduce the pressure to try and uh, try and make sure that young people are able to develop different skills or flourish in different ways we've got other people saying actually you know we've still got too too few kids getting the basics right in terms of those literacy and numeracy skills that are going to open up doors in the future so so where does the balance lie and, and what should we do i think those were the calls we were trying to answer with this report now, one of the questions that comes through, sort of reading through the uh, report and the attachments, is uh, an issue around control. And, you know, there's talk about, uh, obviously, external exams, but who, who should be in control? You know, is it school-based curriculums uh, meeting local needs? Or, you know, are we uh, sticking with this idea of national schemes and external uh, exams? Yeah, so I, I think that it came up in several so the, the reports organised around curriculum, um, mental health and well-being, and assessment, and, and each one looked at these different these different tensions. But as you say, control is a bit of an underlying theme in there, and it's it's a tough one because uh, if we just take the the curriculum example, there's a there's so much to be said for for having that flexibility in the classroom to to be able to adapt what you're working on to be following up exciting avenues and in, in people's interests and so on. But you've got to balance that against the fact that actually you know, teachers have limited time to design a curriculum. They have, yeah, you know, it's actually takes because we have to do so much prioritization when shaping a curriculum to make those really tough decisions about what to include takes a huge amount of subject expertise and time. And then we want something that's coherent, you know, that builds up from school to school and across different year groups and across different subjects and that coheres with the assessment system and that coheres with the resources we've got available and so on. And both things actually mean that you do need to have a certain amount of central control and I, I'm a bit concerned about the fact that we have a national curriculum but it's not all schools have to teach it you know actually I think we should have a national curriculum because I want all kids to have an entitlement to the stuff that's going to open doors up to them in the future so that is a tension um, and so what we what we try to talk about in the report is how can we just adjust the dial on that and um, to make sure that there is some space for flexibility um, but, but at the same time that we we are quite clear about the fact that there should be a national curriculum those decisions should be made by subject experts who've got the time to to think about what 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 should be learned, what are the most important things to learn, and how should those things be sequenced. And um, so, yeah, another one of those those balancing acts that, that comes out all the way through. So, not necessarily a swing towards the Welsh model where schools are defining their own individual curriculums at a school-based level. Then, 
Well, I think there's this it's quite a useful thing that Tim Oates talks about in terms of content versus context. So um, he talks about the fact that a, a national curriculum might well specify what content you should learn about. So maybe that's, you know, let's say in geography, you're learning about different waterways, which might include canals and rivers and lakes or whatever. Um, but that in your local context, you might make decisions to apply that in your particular context. You know, what what is, what is the geography around you and how are you going to learn about those things in your local context, which is what we what you do as a teacher, isn't it? Um, so that actually is an example of how you can have that flexibility balanced with some kind of core expectations that everyone should have this entitlement to learn about some of these really powerful ideas. And uh, so moving on to another aspect of that, about meeting the local needs then of, of the people, you know, is a question around the purpose of education and, and whether it's changed and what it encompasses. You know, when we, we've heard about already when we're talking about attendance, about mental health and some of the support things that need to be used. Um, has the, the purpose and the, the outcomes of education changed? Do we need to adjust to meet those needs? I think it's I think it's always changing um, and you can look back you know I spent I'm writing a book about education policy at moments which means I get to look back at loads of the history of education policy and these these debates have been around forever because they're things that lie in tension they're things that um but there are different purposes that's, that's just you know we are trying to achieve lots of different things uh, through education and those sometimes they align sometimes they're in tension um and people will kind of weight one higher than other and, and we disagree about that and that's why we have politics to to make those kind of decisions and and reach some sort of position on that so I, I think it's right that there's always a healthy debate about um about the purpose of education and i don't think when you look at the arguments that are being made and that people make now as if as if they're new arguments about the purpose of education but they're, they're exactly the same arguments that have been made for decades centuries you know a, a long time and um, so yes there's new, always new events that happen that push the dial one way or the other and so on but I, I think it's wrong to think that there's some kind of dramatic shift that has just happened now that that changes that what what really matters is some of some of those uh, events that you've talked about around around the pandemic and so on in your earlier segment around attendance which are thing uh, and the economy that mean that actually the system is facing different tension different stresses uh, you know we have that kind of massively paired back uh, network of support when it comes to cams when it comes to local authority services and so on those are those are actually the things that are affecting the day-to-day -day life of teachers and pupils uh, which we need to be adjusting the system for um, but that's not about the purpose of education. That's about that's about the fact that we've underinvested in in things that matter, and that we need to get that shift that balance again. Um, it, maybe if I change the the question slightly there, to the, maybe the what a school is expected to do. Do we need to change that then to include more mental health support? You know, as the what a school can be expected of them you know we know we hear that schools you know we're picking up more of the social work possibly aspects where where things are being strained possibly more work around attendance more work around mental health um do we need to you know, as leanne suggested see more support for teachers and school-based staff and funding then to meet these changing needs yeah, so um, so the third section of the report, part three, is all about mental health and well-being, and and there we talk about what you know, what is the role of schools here, and what can they do, and and what needs to happen, and and my view here is that we should distinguish between the teacher and the school. Uh, so for me, a school is an incredible asset to a community. It's this, it's it's universal. We have them in every community. Almost everyone goes to them. So we should be making the most of that. They should be hubs for support for an entire community for young people, 
uh, they should have provided like a, a doorway into the specialist services that young people need. I don't think that necessarily means as teachers who have to be doing that. Well, I, I don't think it should be because I think te you know teachers have got enough on their plate. Um, so yes, teachers inevitably have to respond to what happens in their classroom and therefore they need the support to do that. But we shouldn't be trying to train them up to be specialists. Uh, we should be um, in, in mental health or in, in social work and so on. Uh, but, but, you know, it's hard enough to train people up to be amazing teachers delivering incredible lessons, uh, let alone doing all of those things on the side. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be revisiting the vision there was behind in um, extended schools, behind some of the US models of those things. They, they, these should be assets. I, I think that actually we, when you look at what's going on with mental health and well-being amongst young people, we, we see evidence that that childhood just isn't good enough. We're not giving young people a good enough deal when it comes to childhood. And that's not just about changing what happens in lessons. Actually, kids, 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 a lot, most kids really enjoy lessons. Um, and what we should be doing is making sure we're giving them access to a really enriching childhood, that we're making sure they're growing up in really strong communities with really resilient, happy families who've got the access to the basics that they, they need. And um, those are all things that schools can help to do by acting as those hubs but let's not expect teachers to do everything. Um, I, I want to throw to John quickly as our most experienced panellist, shall I, I, I term it, you know, and we've talked a little bit possibly about how sometimes education can swing back and forth. Does this sound like to you like the normal ebbs and flows and swinging back and forth or a movement towards something new in education? Uh, I think to both of those things. I think that you can't have a career in teaching as I had and not see the ebbs and flows, not see progressive uh, traditional uh, arguments uh, move backwards and forwards, the dial swing backwards and forwards and so on. Something though has happened uh, lately. And I think the last, and when I say lately, I mean the last couple of decades, there has been a, a move towards things in education that I think we need to worry about. And I think we do need to worry about this uh, pursuit of rigor the pursuit of schools as places of, of pressure, pressure for staff and pressure for students. I think that is relatively new. And some of the emphasis, and I absolutely agree with Loic's view there, that childhood is something we did sometimes lose sight of in the pursuit of rigor and learning. I remember, I remember doing a snow day a few years ago. There's lovely snow days. Snow days are great. Teachers love snow days. And there was a snow day, lots of schools were closed in the country. And I saw a head teacher interviewed on the telly and he said, well, I, he said, so as soon as possible, I think we should have closed, we should have closed the schools too early. We need them in there learning. I thought, no, we don't. We need them outside building snowmen. That's, that is part of childhood as much as anything else. And it's a holistic picture of childhood. It's very important. I think this report says lots of useful things about that. But I, but I think it's a, a necessary antidote to something unpleasant that's been happening the last couple of decades. Thank you. Um, now, we, we are going to move on slightly, but Loic, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I, I wondered, you know, I want to leave it with the, the, the last word for, for you, really. If, if there are teachers who maybe have heard this or are listening to this and want to do some more thought or some reading before it, how can they reach out? How can they find more information? Yeah, so I mean, the report has been published by the Institute for Public Policy Research with the Centre for Education and Youth, and um, it's hopefully quite readable. Um, and I think one of the things we've tried to do with it is to be really honest about the fact that these are difficult questions. 
and that actually, you know, even if you think you really know what you think about this, I mean, I've been working in education research for over a decade. I've been teacher and youth worker before that. And I thought I knew what I thought about many of these things. And yet doing the research and really digging into it made me really challenge and rethink some of my views because these are tough questions. So I, I really recommend that people do take a read of the report with a really open mind and say to yourself, actually try and find something that you change your mind about when you read this. Uh, because actually it's, there's a reason people have been debating this stuff for so long. It's because there are really strong arguments on both sides. So have a read and rethink some of your opinions because um, it's a, it, it will make you a more engaged, more thoughtful practitioner. Um, and it's interesting stuff. So yeah. It certainly was. Yeah, I, <laughs> I enjoyed reading it myself. And yeah, it is easy to read. I, I, you know, definitely I would recommend people go out and find it and, and have a read through because, you know, as you say, difficult but really interesting things to, to think about. Um, yeah, so, if you have a message on Twitter, let me know what you think. I'd love to, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to carry on the conversation on Twitter. So, yeah. Fantastic stuff. Thank you. And uh, on to our next story. And welcome back. Well, a story here that hopefully we have a break from, possibly not during these summer holidays, but in the TES, they are reporting well-being hit by staff room cliques, say three in five teachers. This is from a teacher tap survey, uh, which also found that two thirds of teachers said they've worked in a toxic school at some point. Uh, but one of the interesting findings from it that's been pulled out is this idea that uh, staff rooms or schools have cliques in them that are affecting uh, teacher well-being. Now, I'm going to come to Leanne first on this one. Leanne, is this something you recognise as someone who works in education, you know, uh, cliques, as they're being called in this? I don't know that I've seen cliques, but I definitely think you probably get groups of teachers or te anyone in the staff room that maybe sit together or lunch together. And I think... Um, schools especially primary are very community based right so I think a lot of the time you get a lot of teachers from within the community that work in the same school so possibly sometimes it comes from that aspect um I also I think about it sometimes I think some of the things that you get coming out of staff rooms almost sound a bit like things you get coming out of the playground um and I do think sometimes as teachers and adults we should maybe like take a step back and look at the situations and wonder why we're dealing with things in the staff room that we deal with, that we manage with children in the playground. Uh, now I'm going to come to Shaniqua next. Shaniqua, you strike me, you were in the cool gang, of course, in your staff room, <laughs> you know, hanging around the coffee maker, uh, <laughs> having in jokes. Is, is this something that you think happens? Do, is there a possibility that people are ostracised in their own staff rooms? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, do you know what? I can see... I can see both sides because I remember in my first year of teaching, I was like, well, I've got loads to focus on. I'm not going to go in the staff room. They're just, you know, talking to each other, gossiping. I'm not going to be involved. Um, but then I realized that actually being part of the staff room and being part of that <laughs> clique is like, it's actually like being a part of the community in a way where actually, you know, I'd found that actually the more I hung out with everyone, the more, you know, I knew what was going on. There'll be things I forget and we'd have a discussion about it. You know, they'd save seats, we'd find out things. But I also realised it was a place where you could complain. And I think that's the other thing where people complain. There's a lot of gossiping, which, as Leanne said, you know, 
we deal with that with the children. But I also feel like, um, and I know it says that, you know, more teachers are talking about, you know, these toxic environments. And actually, and I think it says it's due to like school leadership. Well, actually having the opportunity where you talk to each other and realize I'm not on my own. You know, at the moment, I know so many people have signed off of mental health. Over the last year, I was signed off of mental health. So, you know, just having people in the school who know what you're going through, that's great. But then I also, it can become quite gossipy. And I think that's the other aspect of it where, I don't know, you should have that community hub. But actually, if people don't feel like they're able to sit in the staff room and be part of the group, then what are we doing? That's the other thing. Now, I'm going to come to John next because, you know, this uh, strikes me or this stereotype, maybe this this pastiche of, you know, a staff room um, and, and how it works is something that I, I recognise as always being there in TV shows, in jokes, in media, you know, this idea. The, the fact that it is affecting people's well-being, though, is, is a new thing for me. Um, is this how staff rooms have always been? Should we be worried about how this is affecting our, our staff? Yeah, I think we should be. And I think the I think it is, there is something new. Again, I'm going to sound like a, <laughs> I always say this. Something new and something old about this. There is the, uh, or the, the, the fact that schools are organisations of people and they will form into groups and there will be within that certain cultural differences between those teachers that think they teach more academic subjects and those teachers they teach more active subjects and so on and who knows those things those things are almost certainly going to happen but something again i'm going to half backward back to the point i made earlier something in schools that harms teachers and if you if, if teachers don't enjoy school you can't expect students to it has to be a place that's happy it has to be a place that's enjoyable and what's happening in schools is increasing i think toxic cultures microaggressions uh, passive aggression that can be done through things like sending out emails that say things like like polite reminder. I mean, it's a, you think it's a, it's a trivial thing. Polite reminder means there was, there was an impolite version of this that you decided not to send or things like um, sending an email out to remind you something you haven't done that then uh, that then is copied to people in senior positions. Little things. Well, become part of the culture, part of the culture of accountability and new managerialism which is harmful to the health of teachers and harmful to the general feeling that we are colleagues and we should be having fun. It's great teaching. It's really great, but it often isn't. And that's a real shame. Um, and, you know, I, I, that is something that I recognize myself. You know, I have seen, I've heard the phrase and I, you know, I'll put this out there. When you talk about collegiate support, uh, people suggesting things like we should send uh, the, you should send an email so that you've got evidence you did something in case anyone asks. And and that to me strikes as well. I'd rather make sure the thing was done. You know, there, there is a lack yeah. of support around that. And as workload increases, and as Shaniqua sort of mentioned there, um, are we, you know, even past our first years shrinking into our classrooms, particularly in primary school? Are we losing some of that? We lost it in COVID when we shut our classroom, when we shut our staff rooms. You know, and we stopped going to the staff room. Are we shrinking and isolating ourselves into our classrooms and losing some of that collegiate support? I want to go to Leanne on that one. I think I want to follow on from Shaniqua because I think the staff room is so important in, in teaching that you can go and like release almost at lunchtime. But I know from when I taught in the older year groups in primary school, I would spend half my lunchtime marking because if you don't, you end up staying after school. So you, it's like work-life balance but it's also like life balance you know do I want to take a lunch break for an hour or if I want to mark for half an hour 
and have a lunch break for half an hour, but then I have to set up for the afternoon. It's like a toss up in your own head of what life balance do you actually want? So I think that comes into it, I think, as well, with work-life balance. Yeah, you know, I guess there is a question there of, uh, you know, should, you know, do you need friends at work or where is that balance of do you need to be best friends and chums and going out at the weekend or uh, does it just need to be support and and well-being and not ostracised? Um, Shaniqua, is there a way forward from this? If you were uh, looking at this and say, reflecting on, you know, either your own practice or practice from other schools and saying, okay, well, you know, clearly this is causing issues for some people and we're, we're not just saying it upset we're saying we're talking about mental health here and well-being and you know things that we should be taking really seriously is there something you think that schools or staff rooms or teachers could be doing to help address this where do i begin i'm just well clearly people don't feel like some people don't feel like they're welcome in their staff room and some people don't feel like they've got the support so i just i feel like Overall, these teachers and members of staff need to be feeling supported. Um, you know, everyone should have a space where they feel like, you know, they can release. Um, but it shouldn't be a space where it's, you know, putting adding extra pressures. There's enough pressures already in teaching. We don't need any more. So I, I'm really trying to have a think because actually I can, you know, with Leanne and John, everything they've been saying. And I've been thinking, you know, some sometimes you don't even get the chance to go into the staff room nowadays because you've got so much work to do. Um, so actually, if you do go into the staff room, you shouldn't have to deal with um, this at the moment. So actually, I just feel like they should just feel supported in these schools. I don't know what the senior leadership team need to do, but they need to make sure their staff are feeling supported somehow. I'm going to come back round to John. Oh, sorry, Leanne, go on. I think teaching is a very hard profession and people, I know we joke about it, but I think people outside of the profession don't understand it and you need people that do the job to go through it with. Yeah, that, that, that's a that's a good start. Just recognise that we're all in this together and it's really, really hard. Yeah. And uh, uh, comments like, uh, well, they they were all right for me or, uh, or hiding what's difficult for you and not sharing the, the stresses you're going through and not recognising other people's stress as, as perfectly natural and as a side effect of a, of a difficult challenging job and and for managers get out and about let's move, move around the school don't lock yourselves in your offices don't don't uh, don't announce at meetings things that that the audience listen to in meetings and mutter to themselves so oh, that's a load of rubbish find out what people actually think and i've sat in meetings like that where happy happy stuff's coming from the front of the meeting for the managers and people around you are grumbling and muttering things to themselves this there can be a disconnect in schools so you know, reach out. You say, you know, connect with your fellow human in schools, whether you're whether it's in the staff room or uh, and I don't mind. I think be friends, you know, go and go down the pub or, do, or not. If you don't, if you'd rather keep your life separate, whatever works for you. But uh, it's perfectly OK to be friends and friendly and it should be a happy atmosphere. Fantastic. Well, you know, that does bring us to the end of uh, this week's weekly review. And there's been some big topics, even in the middle of the summer holidays. Uh, and I'm sure next week's will be an even bigger show uh, with more and more information coming out. Um, I'd like to say a big thank you to Leanne, to Shaniqua, to John, and of course, to Loic, uh, who joined us in the middle of the show. If you want to catch up, you'll be able to find this here on YouTube or in its Twitter form or X, as we are now calling it. And we will see you all next week on the weekly review thank you 
You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.